Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast, Season 2. I'm your forever coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and we are all here weekly to share the ups, downs, and all-arounds of the wild world of parenting. A safe space, a Lego-free space, to vent, to inspire, and well, perhaps this is the only adult conversation you hear all day. What is Adia doing? A, B, C, D. <laughs> is that funny? So each week, I will be joined by a fellow striving, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We learn together. We grow together. Hell, we cheers with an adult bevy when necessary. I get it. I am human and failures simply happen. I am not shiny and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am at its best. Even when the dishes aren't done, there's crayon on the wall, and well, my hair hasn't been washed in forever. I am Busy Mumsy. Hello, my beautiful Busy Mumsies. Ash here. Happy days. Happy Wednesday. I hope you're feeling good. I hope January is treating you so well with all of the hugs, the high fives, and just inspiration. Well, today... I am welcoming a very inspiring guest on to this week's show, Kim Hartwell. Now, if you are actually based in the UK area, you definitely know Kim from the fitness scene. She's a fitness expert. She's gorgeous. She's awesome. Well, I think so. I think I, I, I know her personally, but we've never actually met, only through social media. Kim has been empowering moms to put their healing journey first using mind, body, and breath work. She wants to take you from just surviving, and I use that with air quotes, to thriving. I want to know how to breathe. I want to know how to do that deep inhale, exhale, and not feel so like tensed up. So I want to hear how she's doing it, how she is coaching others, and also how is she thriving in motherhood? Let's dive on into this week's Busy Mumsy Chat. Kim Hartwell, welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. And how are you doing today? Are you a coffee drinker, Kim? I need to know. I need to know what energy I'm getting. Um, I Well, this is the thing. I think you'll get too much energy if I have too much coffee. So I have one a day and usually it's before I work out. Otherwise, I tend to get quite jittery. And I think I used to really try and thrive off of that when I was teaching in the mornings and I was doing back-to-back classes. And I realized that that actually wasn't super friendly for my nervous system. So I'm a now once once a day coffee drinker. Isn't it amazing what we used to do to ourselves pre-baby? Oh, poor little bodies. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, what would you? I mean, this isn't even on my list of questions to ask you, Kim, but this has just now st- struck up something very new. What would you tell the Kim pre-baby, like, eh, maybe you should have done this or should have done that a little different? Well, to be honest, I could go either direction with that. I would say either, yeah, like, I, I think you have to assess the why of the busyness and the um, the go, go, go attitude and the need to, yeah, like, the, the not being still. And I think if I was to give any advice to anyone who was going to become a mum, to from my experience, it was to do a little bit more uh, if you can, in a work first, so that things that come up when you have your child don't go, 
oh my god and then you have to deal with it and a child at the same time and you're being faced with it every single day so when I say deep inner work I mean like kind of in a child stuff a little bit of kind of yeah like assessing why you're feeling the need to be overproductive over busy and not ever stop and why you need to teach three classes in a row those sorts of things I yeah in retrospect I would have been a lot kinder to myself if I did that oh I love that well for the busy mumsy listeners as you already even heard my intro Kim is very busy, and she has been busy for decades on in as a Wilhelmina motto, on the cover of magazines, fitness expert, all of the things in the UK. And I, I have to say that you have been so beautifully vocal and raw and real on your platform about your journey into motherhood and how, not, not, just, not just that it's, oh, it's just tough, but holy shit, the mental load. And I would love for you to share about the moment that you realized that, oh, wow, like I, I might need help. I might need to regroup. I need to change my footing. Like, how was that for you on the other side, having the gorgeous baby, being in the thick of all of it? How did you handle changing into this new lifestyle and dealing with postpartum depression? Yeah, it's a heavy subject and it's um it's definitely something that we're speaking about a little bit more in society, but it's not a conversation that I certainly had pre-baby. Um, this idea of matrescence, which we're hearing a little bit more about now, but um, yeah, not as much as I'd like. It's the idea of kind of going from maidenhood to motherhood and the transition that goes from the in-between. And it's just one of those wild things. It's like when you get pregnant, you know, people just love to say, like, think, you know, think about your sleep and, you know, get your sleep now and think about babies and food and breastfeeding and all of, all of these things that are very kind of focused towards the baby and what the baby might need in a circumstance. But I didn't have anyone who prepared me for, you might feel like this. It's going to be a really big shift. And actually you're gonna need a lot of space and go through quite a healing journey to get from a place where you weren't a mom and you had this life that you created. And for me, I created this beautiful lifestyle that I thrived on traveling and, um, you know, at a drop of a hat, being able to go on the flight that I wanted or surf or whatever. And I just, I really was quite naive and you could argue ignorant, but I think it's also a social conditioning in that I wasn't made aware that that it just wasn't going to be that straightforward with a baby. And How far in did you feel into postpartum that you were feeling a lot different than you ever expected? Oh, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think it took it was a slow burner for me because I, I didn't really get it at first. People were asking me about these baby blues when I'd had the baby. And I think because I was still in this like love bubble, my husband took some time off on paternity. So I had support system from him. We had the family that come and see you when the baby's really little. Um, but then that sort of drops off. Husband goes back to work, very busy work schedule. Um, and, you know, we do have some support system nearby, but it's not, you know, dropping in all the time. It's not every afternoon. It's not my friends, you know, you know, right, right on my doorstep. So I think the transition from that into about the, I think it was like seven, eight month mark, we were dealing with things like colic with Indy and, you know, some other underlying stuff under the surface. But um, by that kind of point, I really started to, I guess, resent what had happened and 
I didn't I didn't have the tools. I, I was I was kind of surprised because as someone who's a yoga teacher and I do breath work and I, I have this mindfulness background, I really thought I would be in a better place. And I, I judged myself for it for sure. I was just like, you know, everyone is apparently thriving. Everyone is loving motherhood. Everyone is having the perfect time. And obviously that wasn't true, but it's just such an unspoken word that, you know, mums, it's really hard. Motherhood is really hard. And especially the mom who has had to go through quite an identity shift is to rebirth herself. And for a long time that sat with me as this is the death of me. This is the birth of her, the death of me. But the the, the kind of soul healing journey that I've been able to go on has just taught me the complete opposite way. It's like this is this is a new and incredible rebirthing of you, but you have to surrender your old life and surrender the old you to be able to let that new new you come. You know, I, w- I want to talk about breath work and I want to talk about your yoga and I want to talk about all that. But first, before before we go there, how did you, because this just like struck a chord, how did you teach yourself to talk to yourself better? Because you just hit on the, I'm not like not good enough and that like this, you know, the old me is gone and now we I've birthed this child and, and all of that. So that comes with not so nice things to say to oh, yourself. Okay. When the, no one would know, right? Like you you don't project that. I mean, I I, I, I so relate to this, like right now, like I, I completely, I am side by side with you right now on all of this. And I would just love to hear how did you kind of change your vo- vocabulary to yourself? Yeah, I think it's still a journey that I'm on to this day. I think that we, it's very hard when you've grown up in, I mean, for me, I had a beautiful childhood. I feel like you always have to caveat that. Like my mom and dad are incredible, but. Dad are great. Yeah, they're brilliant. They're beautiful. They're brilliant. How we parent, how, what we know about cognitive function, what we know about what's the most, um, you know, nutritious way to grow our own brood has changed. So I had to go through quite a lot of assessing and awareness about why I thought certain things. And um, I guess it was a multitude of things. I did a lot of research into this. I'm interested in this kind of psychology. And I did a lot of journaling. I listened to a lot of podcasts around the idea of matrescence. I, um, I really had to sit with myself. I was fortunate enough to work with a meditation coach for a bit. and He made me stop and it was what I really didn't want to do. I was really burning and dying inside being like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And it was kind of him that called me up on a little bit of the bullshit because um, is because I had to, by sitting with myself, it's not always a hundred percent the best answer, but from, from that time for me, it really called me up on the, the facade I was putting up that kind of like everything is perfect here and um you know I'm just going to kind of go along with things even if they don't align with me and I think it took quite a long time to really work out what was important to me and what was going to serve me and my family in good stead and then kind of get rid of the stuff that wasn't serving that Mm. And then when, when did you feel that movement could help guide you again? Like, furthermore, I mean, for me, music or movement, music, it's soul, right? So when did you discover like for you to get back into your yoga, because that's a huge part of you, that you were able to get back into it and move the way that Kim moved 
pre-baby because those are two very, that's very different. And you are very much have been in the business for years Mm -hmm. and have been very successful in traveling. And so things have changed. So it's also then it flips in your mindset. So how did the the new movement change you? And then how, how did that then transpire into how you work with clients? Yeah, that's a really good point because it's one of like literally the biggest thing that I do to kind of recenter and get back to home to I mean, me. Literally, literally for me, like you and I are like so like side by side. And it was like when when I had Adia and then I went back to teaching and it was just all so different. Like everything was so different. So I would just love like, please, I just like hijacked your conversation of I want to hear from you, like how you handled because I, I'm side by side. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I think um, I, as, as a personal trainer as well, I definitely knee-jerked back into what I felt safe was my old life. And I was just like, this is not happening. I can control this situation where I go and feel really good at the gym. That's what I'm going to do. And I went and I went too hard, too quickly, and I got myself into trouble with doing that. And I think I wasn't really honoring the part of rest that my body needed given all of the chaos that comes with having a new baby and that kind of life shift in terms of time that you have available, energy you have available, sleep you have available, all of these things. And so that, that I did that for so, for a while, but it was, it was out of survival instinct that was not serving me. And it got to the point where I would either feel like I was getting injured or I was just so depleted um, that I had to recognize that this had to be done a different way. And so it took quite a lot of, um, I guess, like courage on my side to be able, and I'm guessing you resonate as well, it's just like to be able to not do what you used to do, right? It's easier yeah. to go into what you know best and where you feel strong. And so I think there's been this huge compassion shift that's come with that for myself but also for other mums because I used to teach mums and I honestly just don't think you get it until you don't you can't get it you can't even try to get what mothering is until you have your own child and I think that I used to think with mums they'd be like oh, I don't have 15 minutes to, to work out and I'd be like come on you've got at least 15 minutes everyone can do 15 minutes and I was just like you don't understand like I'm struggling to get myself off the floor right now so you know it's just about finding what balance works for you and I think as mums a lot of the time some things that could be the most nourishing things is rest proper nutrition sitting down and really sussing out and journaling, working out what's going on in your mind and what you need more help with, what you need more of in your life, what you need less of in your life, going for walks, getting outside, having daylight on your face. And I don't think I really understood that properly until really quite a little bit later on in Indy's life because I just got myself into quite a bad headspace um, because I, I couldn't thrive the way that I was just kind of push, push, push. I must go to all of the baby classes, all of, you know, be looking to everybody else on the outside deck. Everything is perfect. I'm doing this mum thing perfectly, as perfectly as I know. You know, I'm being a good mum, but I'm also at the gym. And I'm also going to every single class with Indy and making sure that we're busy and productive. And it just, it all came crashing down. And that, that is not sustainable. And it's not kind to anyone. No one's, no one's thriving in that situation. No, no. It was this the catalyst for you to start uh, Humum? I, my my journey got so bad 
that, like you said, I struggle with this postnatal depression. There was, I think there were so many factors that contributed to that. And it wasn't just from what I was doing. I think we're too, too quick to point the blame at the mom and say, well, she did this and this is why she's in this state. You know, there's a lot of things where we're not supported culturally anymore. We don't have the village. We don't have the people cooking us food and helping out with this and that. So I think there was a multitude of things at play, but I had to go really very, very low in where I was at in my mental state to, you know, get some extra help. I saw a therapist. I know that that's a luxury for some people. Um, so I can, I feel privileged saying that, but I had to go dig past these demons, but also started to explore more into breath work, explore more into the stillness and the nervous system regulation side of my mindfulness rather than, rather than movement. Because for me, I feel exactly the same as you movement. If I don't move, I feel like I can't breathe. Like there's just a point where I bubble up inside and I feel like I'm going to explode. But I, half of the journey for me has been working out how to balance that and that energy and that stress with also finding time to regulate myself so I'm not constantly feeling like I'm in survival mode and in this kind of stress response. And so through this huge journey that I've been on, I have created Humum, like you said, which is all about putting a mother's healing journey first. And I think we're just so often as mums, everybody else's needs come first. It's that kind of like, oh, you know, it's burnt toast. I'll take it because I'm the mum and no one else wants it. And it's just, you know, I saw someone put the other day and they were just like, stop eating the burnt toast. And it's like, you know, we have to put ourselves first and foremost. And it, it, we're told everything in society tells us not to do that. But when we don't do that, everybody else suffers most of all us first but then how can our kids thrive in the way that we desperately want them to if there's nothing left of us if we're giving them the scraps of what's left you know it's um and i say that obviously you could argue that obviously when you're trying to give them everything you're all it's coming from a place of love and we would never want to put them last on our kind of list of how to look after them but if you're pouring from an empty cup that's just got the dregs and you're kind of just trying to stay afloat and you you know barely barely swimming above the surface then no good can come off that with your family and it's not to make people feel bad it doesn't mean that you should be taking up yoga and doing you know work at the gym and we're a therapist but it is to say that just that that no i'm going to set a boundary in place and i'm going to look after me and what i need and you're, what someone might need like we love movement movement that for us is very nourishing someone so for someone else it might not be and you know you have to kind of work out what is it that brings you joy what is it that makes you thrive and it probably isn't putting yourself bottom of the list all the time so with humum what have you put into place for to share with others to help them to become a part of what channel what steps what um implementation like are, are you putting forward that clients can come on board train with you can you tell us a little bit more about that yeah, so I've got multiple things I do. Um, my, my whole focus right now is mums. Like, I just don't think there's anybody more <laughs> needing of this work. Need of I, feel like I, I can really resonate and I really understand. I'm like, no, I get it. I'm not going to just try and get how you feel. I really, really, really understand. So I work with clients one-on-one. -on -one. So I do one-on-one -on -one online yoga or I do one-on-one -on -one breath work with them. Um, but I also host events at the moment here in the UK. I want to, I literally want them to be everywhere. We're basically doing um, a fusion of breath work, yoga, some reflection practices some integration work of how you put that into your day-to-day -day. but eventually this will be going online as well so I'm 
it's part of this um, huge passion project I've got and I'm so excited and it's something that I have in all my time of teaching and all of the classes and PT or whatever, I feel like it's all been kind of fusing together to align me to do this work with mums because it's something I feel so passionate about. Um, and I know now, I think you go through experiences in your life and that sort of has this amazing serendipity to show you where, where you should be. And it was very hard for me to know that last year when I was in the kind of darkest space that I'd ever been in. I just thought there was no way out. And now for me, being in this other side, I'm not saying life is sunshine and roses. I'm still working on my stuff as well, as we all are. Um, but I just think that it's shown me just how important this is and how little there is of that. I mean, it, it, like happily, it seems to be going into a bit more of the the, the world, this mother's healing and matrescence. But I just think we just can't get enough of it as mums. Do you feel through your journey that you have fully healed or do you still feel that you are, you know, I hold my sign very high that says work in progress, but do you still feel that you're a work in progress or do you feel like you're back to your roots and you're back to you? No, no, I, I am. Um, I think that we all go on our healing journeys for most of our lives. And that isn't to like depress us and be like, we're never going to be healed. But I think that our life shapes us and we learn what we need to know as we need to know it. I do generally believe that we've been um, kind of shown the path through all of these different things. And there'll be more things that come up. As you know, it's never straightforward with kids. There will always be something going on under the surface. And I don't think there's no part of me now that wants to go back to the previous Kim. Like, I think that now I happily have surrendered and kind of open and stopped trying to get in the way and control this, like, no, I will not let this old life die. And now I feel like from doing that, you get this much more abundance and growth and um, way more positive kind of way of, of moving forward. And um, so I will always, you know, look to do my healing work. And I always think that I, it's kind of that um, ignorance is bliss. It's like the less you know in the healing sphere and all the deep inner work sometimes it would be easier because as soon as you start digging, you realize there's layers of stuff that's going on on the surface. But the beauty of it is that we have these tools in practice and we're learning so much and there is so much incredible information out there and we're learning more and more about the neuroscience and about the nervous system and all these other huge parts of our bodies and our minds that we can start to work with rather than against like when me and you were racing around like crazy things doing a million different things all the classes God sent and you know not stopping we now know that that wasn't really necessarily the kindest thing we could have done, you know? It's like, it's leaning into softness. Exactly. And softness, and softness has a lot of strength to it, and which is something that a lot of us did not know pre-baby at all. I never would have thought that. Never in a million years. Think it's, the way it's boring, like for me, I was just like, oh, it's just for like the really like snooty, extra, extra yogi, zen people. And it's like, even in our society, we don't, reward people that are doing things slower that are taking time to nourish and you know it's not glamorous and um especially not doing the deep inner work like for me it's easier to carry on busy myself and run away from it than it is to really sit with my you know like the stuff is not 
easy. It's very energy zapping. But I honestly think there's such a deep part of me that knows the deep work I'm doing is so important for me, but also for my family, for generations to come, that I know that it's worthwhile, even though it's really, really hard and I'm going to continue to do it. I know that it's going to help and slowly, slowly, slowly we're going to get there. But healing, you can't rush. And healing is not done in a day or a year or a month. You know, it's it's a it's a huge process, but it's one that you're going to learn and evolve and become so brilliant from that it's worthwhile sticking with. I I have to I I always ask like pass the torch to that expecting busy mumsy, and I feel like you just answered it. Nice. <laughs> you do. It's just like it, it's it's leaning into the softness and the not having all the expectations and being okay with slowing down as it will all unfold. It will all unfold. It just will. And being okay and still in that. So what is in the pipeline for you 2024? What and anything that you are really looking forward to, or is it continuing on as you are, as the best mom you can be? Well, I'm definitely manifesting some big stuff in our life. Um, you know, there's definitely some big hopes and dreams that I have for Humam, for my, you know, personal life as well. But um, for the main part, Humam is going to be at the forefront of what I'm doing just because it's something that I feel so passionately about and people are really connecting with. And I think that um, I, I honestly wish I could do these events or, you know, one-to-ones with every single mom, because I just, I know the profound healing that can be done, especially from conscious connected breath work. Have you done some of that, by the way? Yeah, Kim, I, I, I breathe from like, literally like right in my throat at this point in my life. <laughs> oh, we need to get you set up. <laughs> I am the worst breather ever. I mean, yeah, I, I was actually talking about this not too long ago with another podcast guest. And I was like, yeah, you know, that whole 360 breathing and all that stuff you're supposed to do, like right after you have a child. Yeah, I, I'm I'm still stuck in my throat and my daughter is nearing four. <laughs> and the thing is, that's that's not uncommon. That's very like we're normal. It's not your it's not your fault. Like we are we live in a society of dysfunctional breathing patterns because of the way we have been made to live. Like we live in quite a stressful society. We sit over our phones, we sit over our desks. We don't move as much as we could do. We don't get out in nature. Like even our movement, it's quite, you know, convoluted. Like we put it together and we think that that's how you move. Whereas it's like, we're not, you know, climbing and running from lions and all, all these sorts of things. Um, and so we do tend to live a lot in our chest and, and especially as mums, if you're in a stressful situation, which happens a lot, then if we're not used to down-regulating and being and really talking to our nervous system on a deeper level, we, we can't talk ourselves out of this kind of stressful state or this response to breathe into our chest. It has to be felt within our body. We have to practice it. And I think once you start to make that connection, which I'm honestly still working with as well, is that we start to tell our bodies that we're safe and then we can start to channel our breath further down. And what I do in my personal one-to-one sessions with breath work is we do quite intensive breathing for up to 30 minutes, but it's completely different from how we regularly breathe. We breathe in and out through our mouth. We channel the air all the way down the body. So it's really working in a completely different way to what you're used to as a, you know, as your day-to-day functioning breath and what you're saying, you're, you're, you generally breathe up in your chest. And so what I found, especially from the breath work, especially postnatally, was it uncovered this crazy, you know, 
layers of physical, emotional and spiritual blockages that I, I've got been able to kind of go through. And I do think that needs to be integrated with things like therapy and, you know, journaling all your mindful practices in place, as well as these sorts of things like breathwork, because it's very, very powerful. But I just, I, I think it was this like light bulb in my head that I was like, wow, like, I've been ignoring my, what my body's been telling me and what my nervous system's been telling me this whole time. And like we say, it's easier to run, it's easier to over busy. And especially as moms, we just survive. We're just in survival mode. And so I'm not surprised, like most of us will spend our time in our chest breathing, but it's like, if we can start to make friends with our breath, make friends with our body and kind of lean into the softness, like you said, we do we can start to work on maybe trying to nasal breathe a little bit more trying to send our breath a little bit further down and eventually that becomes what our norm is but yeah we just there's a little bit of work to get there in the first place yeah you, you know what i was doing I, I, and I found myself not too long ago i started taking reformer classes here in uganda and crazy they have reformer class here. i was literally like wow i'm impressed <laughs> yeah, you do um and and the the teacher is awesome and uh, shout out to Claudia. Um, but I have to say that I'm finding myself on the reformer now singing. So if I'm singing, that means I'm using breath, right? That means I'm, I'm actually digging deeper. I'm digging deeper past my throat, at least. So I'm finding that I'm like leaving the class, even though it's like hard and challenging. I'm like singing along. So I feel like I'm getting deeper and lower and allowing like space in my body because I'm like, singing along. I know that sounds crazy, but I used to do that a lot though. When I used to train for shows, we would like go to the gym and be like on the treadmill. And I would just sing because I would just, it would help with my breath control and everything. But I found that it has, it has put me a bit calmer leaving class. That's interesting. Cause sometimes you could argue, like when I was teaching, we'd get more tired because we're using our breath and our, and our voice more. So you're probably just used to being so efficient by being able, like you've conditioned yourself, right? You've done freaking, yeah. you know, Broadway and stuff. So it's like, you had to, like that was like your way of being like, this is me thriving. But I would say in terms of just even like the day-to-day -day stuff you can do to help it, like it's just noticing, like I always say to my clients as well, just something as simple as the four, seven, eight breath or the four, six, six, seven, you basically inhale through your nose for four and then you hold for six and then you exhale out your mouth like you're blowing out of the candle for seven. And even a few rounds of that, nice and slow and steady, four, six, seven, um, can be really nice for calming your body down. So even if you did your Pilates reformer and then afterwards did that, or when you're just about to go and pick up your kiddo and you know they're going to drive you nuts for whatever because you're feeling stressed that day or whatever, I literally do it on the way to childcare in the car, in the car four, six, seven, in for four, hold for six, out for seven through the mouth like you're blowing out a candle. And even that can just really like say to your body and say to your nervous system, we are not in danger here. We are not in danger here. We are safe. And that is where you can start kind of finding your, your peace with your breath. And nasal breathing is a really nice way, especially when you're exercising to um, calm your system. So it's a way. Is nasal breathing also like, a, I don't want to say trending thing, but is it something that's like really like a good thing to do when you sleep at night? 
Oh uh, yeah, like uh, yeah, there's a lot of chat about that. I think it's the James Nestor book. Um, he talks about having tape, and um, I actually did it for a bit. And my husband needs to do it more, to be honest. But it's the I basically we should always be nasal breathing. We have grown in our in our kind of way we, we're living. Like you look at babies, they all nasal breathe. Even, you know when they get their cold and they have a really bad time because they can't breathe in out their, their nose it's because our optimal way of breathing is through your nose so i sometimes especially at the gym if i'm finding that i can't breathe nasally that i'm like wait okay this might be a little bit further than my body is efficient effectively processing basically and so even nasal breathing you find yourself in a calmer state you have the question like how much we're kind of frying our nervous system when we're doing these things we're like <laughs> you know like you're telling, yeah. telling this is quite a stressful situation and some stress is good adapt we need to adapt to stresses but it can it's a really nice kind of um system to get into is this calming and the the nasal breathing is literally the the there's there's a lot of research on it a lot of the really really incredible athletes are now solely nasal breathing and they're the ones that are light years ahead of all the other ones because they have found a more efficient way of breathing and it's 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 breath it's it's breath and body like you can't get more powerful than that right it's it it's wild though that there are so many courses and like yourself that's putting that out there but it needs to be done because it's obviously having a huge, massive, impactful, positive effect on so many people that need it. And I think that we really are in this like shift in, in, a, in a new year, in a shift that being a bit more mindfulness and not just about, you know, the Instagram square and a filter and how can we Kardashian it, but it's more about inter, inner self-love, inner inner healing, inner worth. And I, I have to say, you have been so brave on your platform. And I can only say thank you to you for doing that and putting that out there and for helping so many women that need to feel good again. Yeah. And thank you for giving me the, this platform to talk about it as well. I just think that we can't, I think when we start faking it and we kind of start feeling like we have to put a front on then we don't allow other people to be vulnerable too so you've just said to me those things that resonate with you and we're, we're giving permission to others otherwise we're all just living this kind of fake life and it's like well, no one's winning so i think nope. that things like the breath are so beautiful because it recenters you there's different types of breathing but the recentering breath the getting back to you is always going to bring you home to you what's important to you and alignment to the life that you want to live and then you can start to allow that to ripple out into your life and everyone else is going to benefit from that. Well, Kim, thank you so much for your words of wisdom and just your time. Um, for the Busy Mumsy listeners, please head to the show notes. All details about Kim Hartwell is there. Click the links, go to her website, follow her on socials, all the things get recentered, realigned and get back to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for listening, listeners. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Did you like it, Adia? Yes! Oh, the enthusiasm. I love it. Please share your love by giving us a five-star rating, a rockin' review, and please share with any fellow Busy Mumsies. We love hearing from you. So if you want to get in touch, head to the Busy Mumsy show notes for further details and links to the Busy Mumsy website. So long for now. Can you say bye-bye, Adia? Bye-bye, <laughs> 
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revelhorwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.